Okay. Um, at this time of year, normally what we'll do is uh, invite a mission partner with us and uh, we'll uh, interview them up here and find out more about that ministry and things like that that we are part of. And uh, this time of year, we have a vision series. And this year, uh, we've called a series one. And last week, we talked about one word. Today is one church. Next week is one mission. There is a sneak peek that we're coming up. And uh, as part of that, we thought it would be a great idea to uh, have Mark come and uh, Mark Anderson come. He's a service coordinator for our denomination, the ICMC. And uh, so he's going to share with you first, and we're going to have a little time to speak together. Okay? Right. Well, good morning. It's great to be here today. And we've got my camera because, uh, because, uh, because uh, your pastor said I had 10 minutes, so I said it for nine. So when it goes off, I have about 10 minutes to finish. Uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. I've been 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 here over the years. But I was sitting right back there in the background in 2003. Uh, but I think it's probably the third annual World Convention last year. And the congregation is a terrible member, like you are. And uh, we were here to attend that night. What a great gathering. Bill Sullivan was a civil coordinator back then. Love Bill. He's a good friend of mine. He's got a stay in touch for a bit. And uh, the church, I said, worked on two good. And after he resigned, uh, they asked if I would do the job. And I said, no, for as long as I could. And then finally, I did it and uh, said yes. And it's just been a great moment and a half years. I'm very grateful to have been a part of it. The, uh, the job has been kind of interesting, but one of the things that has been most amazing to me, one of the things I've learned, and I didn't really know, is how big Jesus' church actually is. You know, I was invested in the local church and believed the local church is such a ministry, but you know, we have to something amazing, even global. This time it dawned on me, I was traveling to Vietnam with a guy named Tom O'Brien, maybe you know that guy. And then he got his family and his family and his friends, and he invited me to go on a mission trip. So the very first mission trip I went on, it was halfway around the world. So we landed at, I think, Newry in Ho Chi Minh City, in East Carolina. And I thought, I'm going to call my wife, and then I realized, well, Newry in Carolina is midnight in the morning. That was a bad time. And she asked me, yeah, for the phone, she said, well, that's what was going on. I said, no, it's nice. It's not open. It's so bright. And I realized there's 12 hours of time. And it is just a world of difference. But as we left immigration, though, which is interesting, it's not like the TSA here. And I know some people are uncomfortable with the TSA. Some of the folks, they're not military police, they're not going to look up and take their children. That's what you run into there in Saigon, in Ho Chi Minh. And I'll tell you what, it's not a very happy immigration. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking. You know, you don't know what to say or how to Anyway, we finally got through all of that and entered into this great big area where there were thousands of people waiting to greet their family and friends. And there's a guy there holding up the sign said, Hallelujah. And I knew I had a brother in Vietnam that I had not met before. It just dawned on me that God is at work globally, around the world, in remarkable and amazing ways. And you've got to be a part of the making that kingdom come. And I have a slide for you here. At a meeting that we were at, I was with Tom Mulvaney at this house. It's outside of, I think, Dunning, which is in the central part of Vietnam. It's outside in the country somewhere. It was that night, it was dark, and we had a meal. And, and after the meal was over, Tom said, 
I want to introduce you to somebody that you've never met before. And they all looked at me and said, man, that's the right guy. So I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, He is greater than any of the spirits that you worship. He is greater than the grandparents who have died whom you still worship. He is greater than all of it, and He will set you free from fear. And as Tom spoke to the lead, and they didn't quite know what to do, but a couple of the houses, two of the families decided they wanted to know more. They kind of began to work with them and talk with them. And as time unfolded, they're back in space and kind of communicating. Well, it's interesting about Vietnam is they just skip landlines, they went directly to cell phones. Everybody's got a cell phone. It's just amazing. And I went driving to one place to do a worship service with about 10 baptisms, and we get a cell phone call and said, Don't stop here. The local police had set up a checkpoint to check on driver's licenses, which was just an excuse. Because we're at the place where we're going to be. Obviously, they need to have a checkpoint. Keep going to the doorstep. About an hour later, they said the cops left you to town. And they said, Thank God for cell phones. And so we had this conversation with that place and said, It was amazing. So back to this meeting. Today, in this area, there's 150 people meeting in the lobby of the hotel in a city called Shanghai, which is our first province in the northernmost part of Vietnam, because those two households wanted to know more about Jesus. Believe it or not, you guys are a part of it. You're a part of this global witness to the kingdom of God. And it's making a difference. As a matter of fact, in the city where Post Moon began writing for the communist revolution in Vietnam, the city called Dien Dien Phu, there was a group of 300 people that meet every day. And what was called by it was for the time. And time almost leaves for the judgment because he never believed in the time they would be exposed. So the communist revolution has begun, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is more. Isn't that amazing? And we get to be a part of that. How cool is that? And another side for you. Here is a seminary in Madagascar. It's called Antonio Vivo. And if you like to pronounce those strange words, I've got another one for you. There was a, a president of a synod of the Free Free Church Body in Madagascar, Calvary. And this happens to us all the time. I think that we are the only 100% digital church body in the U.S. I could be wrong. But, but everything's online. Everything's real email or cell phone. People say, where's the national office of the country? And I hold up my iPhone, it's down here. I can access everything in the country through this phone. And that's kind of remarkable because we get emails from just kind of a brief. Hello, my name is Reverend Dr. David Rockefeller-Rena, and I would like to engage in a relationship with SCMC. Inside, and part of my job is to respond initially to these requests. I should say, who are you and what's your deal? I mean, I need to know what's going on, but that's basically what I said. And he said, he's the president of this team, and they'd like to engage in this, and I said, so tell me something about the Galician Church Body established on this stage many years ago. Well, why do you want to come to us? Well, because you love God's word, and you're committed to the Great Commission. That's all over our website, by the way. If you're going to know more, go to lcmc.net. And I said, well, that's exciting. We're excited about that. Let's talk. And so we began phone conversations. And then both video conference. And then finally, they made some invitations. And I never wanted a job where I had to travel, but the board of trustees said, well, Mark, by the way, you're going to Madagascar. Where is that? I have no idea. It's off the coast of Africa somewhere. It's really humbling. To meet with these folks, and so we have engaged them 
what we call working relationship with the center of the Mandagansian church. This is the seminary class. They are working the center and they're going like crazy. They're sending evangelists to go into communities where they send pastors. And then once the church begins together, then they send pastors and shepherds. It's a powerful model. It's kind of what we're like, like we're doing here in church planting. We have a working relationship with this church church in Madagascar, in Brazil, in Cambodia, in uh, Malaysia, in Myanmar, in Burma, and most recently, uh, the Norwegian. <laughs> I guess you didn't pick up the phone. So uh, it's exciting, and so we have a working relationship with our friends over there, and we can just buy it around the world now. So here the church things are a little different, and we're kind of worried about the future, I think, for many of us. And one of those concerns is where's the next generation of vocational ministers? Where's the next generation of pastors? And one of them is kind of And so one of our uh, groups, uh, one of our districts, said we need to start training up the next generation. And we're looking for high school students to consider the vocational ministry. And so we begin offering every other year an annual youth event. Dr. Nicolai here is in charge of it. And, uh, and so uh, we invite these kids from all over the U.S. This is not a typical youth event. This is leadership training and a very clear part of it and an intentional part of it is to ask example to consider the vocational ministry. What would it look like if you, 17 year old, thought about becoming a pastor? And you know, it's been really exciting. But it's not just about being pastors. It's also about raising leaders for the local church. And so we want to help these young people and their advisors figure out how to do youth ministry in the local church. But it's just been really fun, really exciting. The truth is, my time is enough. The truth is what we have to begin to recognize is that this is God's church. It's not just our church. It's not just St. Michael's here. It's not just our fiancée across the U.S. We have 756 churches now in the U.S., 765 in the world of Texas. 765, we have over 1,081 pastors. We have over 200 congregations around the world. God is doing something great, and I'm just so grateful to be able to be a part of it. Nobody at Luther Seminary would have ever guessed I would do anything like this. It was just really kind of fun. I had to interview the seminary to see what they could provide us. And I said, it's a professor Unbelievable. I can't believe he is in charge of anything. My, my father had the same opinion, by the way. And when I preached in a local church, he said, Are you still in the right job? This is a group of about 300 kids using the diapers who came to the youth work and we're using a five member youth event. We'll be doing it again because we want to be a part of it and we The good news that Tom reminded me of when we met with this group of people in Vietnam. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He is so very much at work in the world. Amen. Come on, Daniel. Come on. Well, uh, yeah, we've got um, some great conversation here. And uh, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, and uh, I do, as, as I mentioned at uh, the last service, I've got. Uh, a lot of admiration for you that uh, you'll go to Vietnam with Tom Northern. Yeah. Uh, Tom Northern, by the way, he's Toronto. Okay. And uh, he went to the Eagle Heat. So he lives in Canada. So that's great. And, and um, um, 
Yeah, there is. Uh, so, so some of us you might be familiar with, uh, you saw this burlap face of Jesus over here that was on a cross one night. You can notice that, saw it, and the cross was, but well, it's gone now. I think it's around here somewhere. Anyway, that was Tom Logan. Okay? That belonged to Tom. And, uh, and Tom and I uh, stood together in, in Iowa, so it was about a year. And uh, my wife Linda saw this thing hanging on the wall in his office, and she said, Wow, I really like that. And he said, You like this? Yes, that's right. So he gave it to her, and um, I talked to him about that afterwards, and he said, Yes, in, in my culture, um, you, you, if somebody compliments you about something, you give it to them. And I said, Tom, did I ever tell you how much I like your car? I mean, it's a great car. Uh, so, yes, um, it's great to, great to have you here. And, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about um, what it means to be a service coordinator. What is that? Other than uh, being able to pronounce weird names in a very great place. It's a unique job. I think I've never done anything like it before. Uh, and then I took the job, and the job was for me. I said, you know, I said, no, I said, no, I said, no, I said, no. So, I mean, even like that, you know, it was a job description. But the job is interesting in that there's a great, the way I've done it, and I've done it, there's a great deal of time involved. And other children, Joe had a different relationship with congregation, so it was a different time in the life of our association. My expression of the job is from the same congregations, and so the majority of my work has been going out to local church like this and doing my job. Trying to get out some other topics that maybe congregations need to think about that is maybe a little different. So I do workshops on discipleship, I workshops on evangelism, I workshops on stewardship and leadership, those sorts. But then I also consult with congregations if they're in a kind of turmoil or something wrong, they have a question about something. And uh, I don't, my, my relationship with the local church is I have an opinion about everything, but I have no authority. It's kind of like being married. Uh, uh, it's not a way around the world. I've been around it forever. Trying to convince Mark to stay for a marriage class and learn from marriage. Well, I've given my life to be able to speak the truth. So I can tell you something. I mean, sometimes. Uh, one of the craziest phone calls we got was from the president of the congregation who said, This morning in church, our pastor and Nancy was having an affair. And that's the first time his wife found him. Whoa. And I said, You've got mm-hmm. so much bigger trouble than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we get both from the cross after a while. It's just for many of the congregation, we have resources that we can turn into. And I find a way to help create that. Sometimes it's as simple as, uh, what do you think about an age of reading in our church? Is that okay? Yeah, that's, that's way okay. We need to do that. So it's a lot of phone calls and emails. Uh, uh, I oversee our, our professional staff and people like Kathy and Karen McFadden, and I think you know her. Some of you do anyway. These people need no oversight. I mean, we, I always try to board hire people that don't need me. And they have done that. We've got great people that work for us here to do this. We've taken care of our specific job descriptions. And so that's the easiest way to do it. I also work for the Board of Trustees to help uh, oversee the entire association. I don't have the Catholic Church Commission. I don't have a vote on that board and I am an employee. But I have voice. And so we need to talk about the board. Uh, it's, it's kind of 
the denominational churches in the U.S. are going to begin to experience a death humanity. That generation of believers who are likely to go to the church emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, and relationally is going to start to die off in greater and greater numbers. And that will increase until the year 2030. It's something significant that in 2030 and 2050, the denominations will cease to exist. And I believe that's true. It's interesting that the denominational knowledge has been, you know, coming to the building and see well, because we've got great programs and great programs and value down. That's fine. Non-denominational churches have been growing. And so people think that's the truth. But who goes to a non-denominational church? Former Lutherans, former Methodists, former Catholics, and they're coming to South and Lutherans, right? And that's fine. It's kind of just thinking about that. I don't have But they're still not getting after the people that don't know Jesus. That's our market to find ways to communicate with that whole bunch of people. And we're surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. Most missiologists believe that the United States is the third largest mission field in the world. And what are we going to do about it? See, I'm afraid a lot of Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, all sitting in their pews saying, well, I got my favorite spot with you. And you can't be sitting there, you know, they sit. I got my favorite music and I got my salvation with Spider-Man, and the rest of you people, just a very hard. Are we willing to say that out loud? If I gave you 30 seconds to consider the name of one person about each other to the other person, one person, do you need 30 seconds? Maybe we need to start praying that God would give us opportunity to begin a conversation. And it's not going to happen on that, but begin a conversation about this Jesus. And you'd be surprised how simple it is. Last night, I went out to step over and said, Man, check it out. Right? And I didn't know that God had to be out of my memory. The big thing. Now, you guys got it. You're going to be out of the And so uh, we went to a place called Maverick, and it's kind of like Maverick, but then the great person comes to the table and goes to the table and says, Any time I can get to you. I just said, No, we're fine, but you know, we're going to pay for it. And you know, it's going to be about your life to take you. And then he's missing. You see what it was like? He said, I'm going to be amazing. I am beginning a new chapter in my life. I'm going to step away from the rest of the business that I've been for 10 years. And I took one of six months ago. Could you pray that God will lead me into that next year? And, and what a privilege. And I mean, she was busy, so she always did that. But I've had, I've had weeks to have to sit down at our table and pray with them out loud and tell us their story. And then they just don't want to quiet that way. I mean, I don't want to lose a job. But it's just that simple. I mean, we're surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. And you know, Peter doesn't know the generation. It's a great show. It's not how the price of God anybody can do it. We're all three of these things in heaven that we want. We get a professional place band, we get lights and focuses, and then we get a rock star preacher, and they bring them in. But is any of that making a difference? The Jesus said to me, he's still a disciple. Disciples are made across the kitchen table, living their lives out loud under the authority of the Word of God. That's how disciples are. All the rest of us, it's an American invention, and it's not going to work. And the world's already teaching us, they're not coming. The people born in 99 and the lives of these people are already believing. They're just looking for a better child. And if that's not American consumerism, I don't know what it is. I'm saying that it won't last. It won't last. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, 
in this congregation as well as in many other congregations, there are going to be people who are particularly affectionate about uh, a particular congregation. Uh, but what would it mean to an individual member here, an, an individual who comes to worship here, to be part of something like the LCMC? And by the way, just to explain those letters, they stand for Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ. So, what is the significance? Well, first of all, I think being part of that church is to be a part of something new in the world of church. Because we operate by a church called Calvary, so I have a specific place that's the same time that's part of one another. We're rooted in the scriptures and evolution and confession. So it's a singular place, and that makes you fulfill Christ's faith in the same way as the world is. So we're a part of something that's really quite different. I mean, can you imagine uh, the staff of St. Michael's with a whole lot more stuff than we do? We are 100% digital church bodies. We exist, I think, to spread the church in our lives that the congregation is in fact the front of the ministry. So this is where all the action happens. And if you're not feeling like a great commission, it will stop you and tell you that. It's not a part of our work. Our work is to present a church to local church, but yours, you have possession of. God proclaimed this to the local church. I think that's something really different. The donation system is free for a long time. For a long time, we thought about we need to send money to the national office because that's where all the good stuff happens. That's a joke. And if it ever happens, it's not happening now. So, what we do is we want to support the local church. But together, we can do things that individually we don't have to be able to. So, you are represented in Cambodia, in Thailand, in Myanmar, in Vietnam. You are represented in Brazil, in Madagascar, in South Africa, in Malaysia. You are represented around the world because you've become part of your ultra-electric service association. So when you leave here today, you individually can know my ministry is local, but it's also global. We're part of something big. And I believe something different. So they want to say, well, maybe I can't be part of a new definition. I don't know. Maybe 20 years from now, we'll start and say, yes, maybe we will. That might be presented. But I can tell you, I've never seen anything like this. And when I talk to other Lutheran church bodies, they shake their head. We still believe it's going on. And we've been called names by other church bodies. But we can't. But you're just a bunch of new parents. You guys were on the stage. You should have never started. You say, I want to ask you to see that I'm the least parents in this society. <laughs> 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 it works. Yeah, it works. Um, uh, you know, uh, the question I asked you last night was the last but um, I had a, a good question to ask the congregation to uh, sort of figure out what God is calling them to do and do is to ask the question why has God placed them in this particular location at this particular time? And so for the LCMC, uh, 20-year anniversary this year, um, why has God placed the LCMC, this denomination, this network of congregations, in this place at the time? I think it's to show the personal life that the congregation is over. And that's so fundamental to you. We believe that we're over. We believe that the Holy Spirit has empowered you to carry out the mission of God has set before you. 
we need to figure out what's going to work for us. And part of what we're going to the church at large is to say, the church at large, you don't need to seek bureaucracy. You don't need bureaucracy that comes from our own. You don't need all that stuff. You can take advantage of the technology that's available and use it for the kingdom. Just like the Reformation 500 years ago, the new technology was a printing press. We don't have legal guidance to be disseminated following that, and it could have never happened before. We want to stand on this idea that we're going to use this new technology to connect people in various parts of the world directly and just cut off the middleman. And I think that's all that legalism can cut off the middleman. You don't need this bureaucracy to talk to Jesus. You can go directly to the throne of God. I think that's part of what God is using us for. Another part of it is to provide a home for Lutherans that want to get on with the Great Commission. We're still getting phone calls from congregations in other denominations to be a part of it because they love the freedom that we offer. We're in the focus on the Great Commission. If I could do anything for the next four years, my vision would be to have every local church have a major vision in the Great Commission and to actively and creatively engage their community with the gospel of grace. Those two things, I think, would be a tremendous gift to the church at large. Uh, about, you know, I mean, I got a call from a local Methodist pastor, and uh, I met with 40 pastors, and it was live streamed somewhere, and they said, how can we spend our time not fighting, but on the great commission for the ones who know how our friends to get it? It's all that you can offer that gift in the church body to have a Christian around there. That's what it is. This year is the 20th anniversary. You have a birthday in two weeks. Yeah, And you retire this year. Big year. Big year. Big year. Yeah. Any particular accomplishments to the action team that you'd like to look at? Green parts for the future? I think that some of the best accomplishments is this idea that we've held on to for 20 years. And you know, there's this tendency to dress and to get involved in stuff that we have in the community. We've been able to stay focused on that DNA, believing the congregation is able. I mean, think about it. Seven hundred sixty-five churches, a thousand eighty-one pastors, and six of us that work for our pastors. Just six. It speaks to their competency. Captain Nicholas, tremendous. Sam McFadden is tremendous. Terry and Dan are up standing. We've got 50 chairs. We just got great people, but you know, think about that. There's six people that work for this entire association. That's one of our accomplishments. We stayed true to what's going on. And then it's all done. I think currently we're still growing. We're only a few church bodies in the U.S. that's actually growing. And uh, not just by chemistry, you know, stopping fish and fish balls, but that's not real growth. That's just stopping fish and fish balls. So we've planted 66 or 65 churches. They haven't all made it. There's 76 churches. They haven't all made it. But we still have 65 less thousands than what we've been in over the last four years. And I'm excited about that very question, Jacob. And I'm excited with him. He's hopeful that maybe 2020 we could plant maybe 15 more. And, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, up in the air, but we're excited about that. So I think we're growing. And we are growing, absolutely. And not just, I mean, we've got kind of some of the very same churches, and we've got some of the same solutions, and we've got some more of the same in America. Mm-hmm. 
But people love freedom. And once we see what it is that we feel with it and stay out of the way of it, we get excited about it. Well, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks. Let's.